If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. And if you like Hall of Fame basketball player and cultural icon Shaquille O'Neal, well then let me ask you this. Can you dig it? <laughs> that clearly should have been my line. Well, we'll let you do it. With Shaquille O'Neal heading into the Hall of Fame, we will go deep and I mean deep, on Shaquille's most famous and some would argue infamous feature film, Kazam. And we will even track down Francis Capra, the actor who starred across from the big Aristotle in the movie. And we'll slam some hammers. We'll give you some Shaq-related distractions and fun stuff to think about, and so much more. I'm your co-host, Brad the Big Aristotle Burke. With me in studio. You're not. How are you the big Aristotle? People call me the Shaquille O'Neal of podcasting. No, they don't. No one's ever <laughs> All said the that. time. You've said that. <laughs> with, me, with me in studio, a fresh-faced sports media strategist who has logged time with the Colorado Buffaloes, the Green Bay Packers, many global sports brands. It's Mr. Adam Millard. Adam, how are you? I'm good. I'm super excited about this because um, my first... Uh, internship was at a station in Denver. Um, the the Nuggets were playing the Lakers, and I got to hold the microphone while we did a Shaquille O'Neal interview. And, oh, uh, amazing. I'm lying. That, I, it never <laughs> happened. Um, I was just really trying. We're trying to make everything Shaq. No, I, uh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us live via satellite from our Brooklyn, New York bureau, it's our Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, any Shaq-related insights for us? You know what my favorite part about this is, is I remember reading on the morning he was drafted. My mom, I mean, this was the peak of the NBA, and my mom knew I was a big NBA fan, so I think... She read the Wall Street Journal, and I think this is where it came from, if memory serves. She's like, hey, Garrett, take a look at this article where Shaq talks about all the different things he wants to do in the NBA as far as endorsements and acting and things like that. And I remember reading it probably when I was like, what, 13, 14, whatever it was. And um, now, 20-some years later, we're sitting here talking about just that because he – he came through on everything he said he wanted to do. So, you know what? To the big Aristotle, you know, you said you wanted to do it and you did it. I remember um, NBA inside stuff. It's still the lasting memory from that show, the Ahmad Rashad, Shaquille O'Neal um, interview from Shaq's rookie year where Shaq breaks the backboard as they're oh, yeah. in the interview. And that was a moment like, He's one of those guys that, you know, especially as a kid, it's popular not to like the most popular guy. And it's like, well, everyone loves Shaq. Everyone has Orlando Magic jersey. I tended to be the contrarian, but you couldn't help but love Shaq. I was a huge Georgetown Alonzo Morning fan, but that didn't diminish 
just what a big star Shaq would become. Ahmad Rashad was a really probing interviewer. Like when he interviewed Michael <laughs> Jordan about gambling, was like, MJ, you got a gambling problem? Nope. All right, man. Cool. Thanks for the time. You ready to go to the golf course? Maybe bet a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> also with us, our producer extraordinaire, Mr. Joe Reed. Joe, have you heard of Shaq? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who this person is. He was a rapper who dabbled in acting and also played basketball. Yeah, I've seen that movie he's in that we were going to talk about. It's pretty good. Did you watch Kazam for this? I did, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you know, save it. At, I have a lot of opinions. I, and I have a feeling it at, it's going to be. I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm going to be a Henry Fonda role in Twelve Angry Men. I watched it at uh, times sixteen speed today. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what decibel can these microphones handle? Because I think I might need to back up 10 feet for what's about to happen. Uh-oh. Wait, yeah, right let's, now? Let's save it. We're saving it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you That's mean, segment three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for our argument. Yeah. Oh, for your argument. I thought you were going to scream, can you dig it? Just like I did. Oh, no. I mean, for about for the tongue lashing. I'm about to <laughs> Uh-oh. All right. Well, before we get into yeah, that. Before that. On this show, we don't just invite people on. We slam the hammer on them. We we call them out publicly for something they've done that's interesting and noteworthy away from sports to come talk about it here. We're a safe space. We're a Shaq-related space. And in honor of Shaq, the man of the millennium, the non-sportsman of the century, who's done more away from his chosen sport than anyone to entertain us, we today are making Just Not Sports history, all of our hammers have to be Shaq-related. So, I usually go last, and this is going to be really hard because you guys are probably going to take a lot of the good ones, but I'm going to bear that cross because I'm such a fan. Adam, who do you want to slam the hammer to? So, this is a true story. This is legitimately one of the coolest Shaq-related things uh, I've ever done is uh, Brad and I, Met working on uh, the Gatorade account in Fleischman Hillard. One of the things I did early on in my first year and a half, two years, was Phil Jackson did the flu game commercial. Oh, right. Um, for the Jordan bottles. For the Jordan bottles for Gatorade. And for so we had some media times. So we brought out the LA ESPN guy. And then for whatever reason, we had an hour of social time. And I interviewed Phil Jackson for an hour. I don't know what happened to the tape. They used very little of it on the social channels. But I literally had a conversation with Phil Jackson um, in a locker room for an hour. It was one of the, I mean, it was like, gave me the chills to be there. It was one of those things like as you're in the moment, I wasn't nervous, but I was like, this is one of the coolest things to ever happen yep. to me. So you could have him on for a lot of things, but... I think a trend that you're seeing, and perhaps there was a stigma around it, um, but I think he challenged his players with a lot of Eastern philosophies. I still think one of the best things to ever happen to me in life and one of the things that helps me uh, get through the struggles of every day is meditation. So that can take many forms, um, and I think Phil used all of them with his players, but whether it's you're letting your mind wander, focusing on your breath, visualization, walking meditation. Uh, Phil has employed them all, and so I'd like to have him talk about the benefits of, of meditation. I know it sounds like a very simple topic, but I think we could talk for Tim uh, for hours about it. Or we could talk about Shaq with Phil. 
We could talk about Shaq. <laughs> and his I want to talk to him about meditation. And maybe him meditating with Shaq. Well, Kazam is a very is a very Eastern influenced film as well, culturally. So it's true. Yeah. It's true, yeah. <laughs> Gareth, what who do you want to slam the slam the Shaq hammer to? All right. My Shaq hammer, it's uh I've talked on this podcast about my love of art and contemporary art. And one of the most enigmatic figures excuse me. One of the most enigmatic figures in the world of contemporary art is the biggest art dealer on the planet, Larry Gagosian. Uh, he has galleries in New York, L.A., London, Paris, Greece, uh, all over the world. The joke at this point is the sun never sets on Larry's empire. Larry does not do a lot of interviews. He's never done a major profile piece where he has sat down and been interviewed and that's good news, Larry, because I don't want to interview you about you. I want to interview you about Shaq. Larry Gagosian and Shaq are producing a film, a documentary, about the struggles of a black basketball team in the Hamptons. It is known as the it is called the Killer Bees. It is following the Bridgehampton, New York basketball team and their quest to defend their 2015 New York State Championship. So Wait, did you Larry, say black people in the Hamptons? Apparently there are. Um, <laughs> so I would like to have one of the toughest interviews in the world, a guy that clears a billion dollars a year selling art, come on our show and talk about black people in the Hamptons playing basketball with Shaquille O'Neal. Larry right. Gagosian, you've been hammered to come talk about Shaq. <laughs> Moving on, Joe, we're going to slam the, the Shaq Diesel to the Shaq Foo. Damn it. Well, you can, no, you can use that stuff. Did I take I, yours? No. Yeah, were you also going to do Larry Gagosian? <laughs> I was. Um, I was going to make reference to Shaq Fu. Go so for I was going to shout out uh, or, or throw the hammer down to uh, Big D's Productions. It's this uh, video game company. They've worked on numerous titles Halo, Street Fighter, Final Fantasy, all these big games. They are partnering with Shaq to make a sequel, a follow-up game to Shaq Fu. They're going to redo Shaq Fu for like modern Shaq stuff? Shaq Fu, a legend reborn. Adam, you are right. Shaq Fu, a legend reborn. An Indiegogo page, how much did they raise to make this game, if you guys had to guess? Oh, they did like a GoFundMe or something? Yeah. $50,000. Let me guess. This is a good guess. Okay. I was going to say 150 Gareth, you got an estimate? How much money does this game cost to make? Did they raise? And they met the goal. Uh, I ask my wife and children. I hate guessing games. Four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And they met their goal. Yeah, they got it. Okay, wait, wait, real quick. I love Shaq, but would you give your money to a video the game guy developer? Four hundred million dollars. He's got that in his like. NBA. He's got that like under his car like seats. Oh, 100 percent. But then you can see some of these perks. Five hundred fifty dollars gets you a signed Shaq jersey. Ooh. Is this still live? No, it ended. Oh. Uh, oh, I was like, we, we should have totally done this. $3,000, you get two floor seats to a Kings game, and I don't I don't know why they'd give you that, the LA Kings. <laughs> That's a <laughs> okay. hockey team, Sacramento Kings. Um, and yeah, then well, the you can give away Lakers tickets so easy. These the days. Yeah, grand right. prize, highest price, how much would you pay for this? DJ Shaq. Have Shaquille O'Neal DJ your party. What? Shaq will travel to your party and play a DJ set while you and your guests dance the night away. What's the price? I want hundred right. grand. Well, what do you know? Def Jeff shows up too. <laughs> yeah, a hundred grand. So what's thirty-five thousand dollars? Wait, that's it? And Wait, there was only yeah, one 35? of one was claimed. Yeah, 
What's stopping us from doing a GoFundMe to have our first Just Not Sports Party with Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah, we should have done a GoFundMe to get the money to be That's that GoFundMe. That's what I'm GoFundMe. saying. <laughs> I don't think... I have a feeling this it's is... like a, a sublet. I have a feeling this is a standing offer. Let's go 45000 just to be safe. But we were... Shaq is DJing our first live event. Some of these Done. rewards are amazing. You guys should look at this page. But anyways... Apparently it's happening. They announced it at CES. He Shaq is in all the promotional videos. Like he's he's on board. This thing's happening. Amazing Best hammer ever, Joe. We got well, let's uh, let's wait for me. I haven't talked yet. Go ahead. I want to talk Anyways. to two of my favorite hip hop artists, Method Man and RZA. Jensen Carp, aka Hot Carl, came on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He was talking about his favorite Shaq songs. He said No Hook mm-hmm. was the uh, best all-time Shaq rap. I think that's debatable. I've done a lot of listening to Shaq in the last few weeks. Uh, but anyway, RZA and Method Man are both on that with Shaquille O'Neal. It's a very interesting song. There actually is no chorus to it, hence No Hook. Uh, it's just them kind of rhyming. The beat's very minimalist. It's cool. It's a, it's a much different vibe than you're probably used to if you listen to Shaquille O'Neal but I would love to talk to those guys about working with them like we did with Def Jeff back in the day and uh yeah all right good job guys yeah Shaqtacular off to a solid start may not continue because in a minute we are gonna get right into it flip things around do the interview second first we're gonna break down an iconic movie of the 1990s Kazam strong Eastern influences and meditation subtext all over this. Adam is giving me such a death glare. It's on. Birth of a Nation is also an iconic movie. It doesn't mean it's positive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's 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 an interesting way to start. I would definitely tune back in if you want to hear more of this argument. Stick around. On July 18th, 1996, Shaquille O'Neal rocked the NBA establishment by leaving Orlando to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. That move would transform the NBA, shift the league's balance of power from east to west, reignite the Lakers dynasty, and destroy the magic for a decade. Yeah, but it was like the second most interesting thing Shaq did that week, because the day before is what really mattered. One day... Prior to him signing with the Lakers, he released Kazam, a movie for the ages. These days, Kazam is known as a financial and critical flop. (laughs) But with Shaq heading to the Hall of Fame, we thought it would be good to reevaluate it with a set of fresh eyes. So Adam, Shaq gave himself more nicknames than any other athlete on earth. What nickname would you give Shaq the actor? The Big Razzie. (laughs) (laughs) very good very good all right well look i'm just gonna throw in right now that he's been nominated for two of them so (laughs) was he nominated for this role he was not blue chips and steel how do you nominate Shaq for blue chips worst new star yeah he was good in blue chips all right well anyways anyways. before we get into it let Uh me give you a little bit of background our (laughs) listeners a little bit of background because this is an old movie now this is this is 20 years old so Shaquille plays a genie named Kazam 
who's awakened by a you know a twelve year old preteen named Max. Uh, over a fairly long ninety minutes or so, <laughs> Shaq learns to rap. <laughs> he performs with Debrat. He thwarts the world's most murderous music piracy outfit, which we will definitely talk to. And he reunites Max, uh, the young boy, with his estranged father. Kind of, not really. The release, I'm not making that up. It did coincide with his move to the Lakers. It was all happening within a few days. The budget for the movie, $20 million. The box office for the movie domestically, according to numbers I've seen, $18.9 million. So just shy of making the money back. To put it in perspective, though, in 2000 and 2001, Shaq made $19.3 million. So we're not that far away from Shaq making more movie than this month. This movie made. And Shaquille getting... Seven million dollars to star in this movie. Yeah, and six percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But as I've always said, when there's a negative opinion of the movie, it's a Marvel conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see those movies, but there are good bad movies, and then there are bad bad movies. Actually, Steel was a Marvel character, and that's a Marvel that's movie. That's correct. They've they've talked about bringing. Steel into the Marvel universe. Wait, was Steel Marvel or was he part of the Superman collective? Oh, you're right. DC he's DC. Comics. Guys, yeah. guys, he's DC. Focus on Kazam. Okay. Eyes on the prize here. I want to start with this, Adam. Adam and I have been debating this <laughs> offline a little bit, Gareth but we tried to moderator. save it for the pod. Yeah. I'm going to start with this. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the movie is not great. But here's my here's my thing. Uh-huh. You're Robin Williams. Uh, I'm Robin Williams. You're Matt Damon. It's not Shaq's fault. Agree. It's not Shaq's fault. Okay, so we're in It's we're not in Shaq's agreement. fault. Yeah. It's not Shaq's fault. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> it's not Shaq's fault. Stop it, man. It's not Shaq's fault. Not you, man. <laughs> it's not Shaq's fault. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> Look, I think Shaq is, and I'm not just kissing ass. Look, Shaquille O'Neal is never coming on Just Not Sports, okay? Like, we've put out a few feelers. It's not happening for a while. We are not pandering Shaquille to Shaquille opinion on Just Not Sports. It's just not you guys. <laughs> yeah. It, we're not pandering. I think he's I think he's great. I think it's he's a lot of fun. Is it like the most highly complicated athletic uh, or excuse me, is it the most complicated acting role? No. But he's a presence on screen. We've seen movies, reminder, where athletes didn't have any charisma. So I can't come down hard on Shaq, who I think is actually fairly delightful in the role of Kazam, the beatbox-carrying genie, who is basically a walking embodiment of everything wrong with marketing in the 90s. Well, Brad, I thought we were going to have a more contentious conversation, but I think we're actually on the same page when it comes to this. I did not think Shaq was bad in this movie. There was times he was yelling for no reason, uh, yelling his lines for no reason. Uh Whoever wrote this um, should be put in a dark hole somewhere because this is one of the most poorly constructed movies ever. I would compare his performance to Halle Berry as Catwoman. Catwoman. We know she can act. It's just that the role written for her, there was nothing to do with it. She was nominated for a Razzie for that performance despite being one of the best actresses of our generation. Shaquille O'Neal was given a shit role with nothing to do with it. And okay. the result is Kazam. I don't think Halle Berry was like awful in 
that movie. I don't think Shaq is awful here. He's doing what he can in a movie that is just not constructed or written to succeed. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Because, like, you look at Michael Jordan in Space Jam. He did the best he could with the material that was given to him and put a lot of heart into it. It was just bad material. Right. Look at Michael Jordan in Space Jam. That's as, like, wooden a performance as you can get. And I know he's with cartoons and stuff, but Shaq is like, he's having fun. He's really going for it. Shaq's rapping. He's dancing. He's doing accent work. I mean, major costume changes. I mean, there he's fully invested in this. It's that this, much is clear. I, I do think it's the second best um, rap performance of the '90s behind um, Tupac dancing in the background and the musical scene of "Nothing But Trouble" with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. Whoa, nice reference. <laughs> Let me real quick for anyone, everyone. We're gonna start talking about the movie now in full. I have two things I want to drive people to. If you wanna, if you really want a good discussion about Kazam, because we're gonna tread on a lot of the same areas, and I want to recognize these things as coming before us. The great podcast. How did this get made? Yes, uh, they did an episode on Kazam. It's really funny. It hits a lot of the same notes that anyone talking about the movie will hit. So we will cover some of that territory. Uh, but I want to put out there that movie or that podcast is fantastic. Everyone should download it. There's also a, a companion oral history uh, by uh, Blake Harris uh, in Slash Film. So anyone who wants to go to the website and check it out, he writes a whole series about all the how did this get maids from the last couple seasons, and both those are fantastic. A couple questions about the movie. Wait, real quick. I just want to say I've been so excited to talk about this that I knew those things existed and would not I did not go to them because I did not want to be influenced by outside. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I want to start I want to start with the most important and confusing... Okay, not the most confusing part of this movie. Oh, I've got lots of confusing parts. The idea of a genie versus a djinn. Uh-huh. So, in this movie's folklore, there are genies mm-hmm. who seem to be a subclass of genie, and there's the djinn who are the more powerful version. Uh-huh. Now, I did not see that in other things like Aladdin, but if you've seen the horror movies, the Wishmaster series, yep. the djinn are actually the predominant genie who are evil. Uh-huh. And like, they're the ones that like, when you make a wish, it always goes bad. But even that movie goes a step further where he'll just come up to you and the Wishmaster comes up and talks to you. And he's like, Hey, I bet you'd like to be young forever. Right. And the people will say, yeah, that'd be great. And he just makes him a mannequin who's going to like live forever and die inside. But you have to say like, hey, Wishmaster, you didn't announce who you were. You don't just walk up to the street and be like, hey, I wish you'd had 10 bucks today. And they just, you know, get run over by a, a bus and get flattened like a $10 bill. Yes. Different Is movie. there a question here? Uh, yeah. I, did, I guess, Joe, do, do you like Wishmaster? <laughs> no. I love it. The question is, was it? I guess what the hell was going on with this with like, class cast system of genies? So the impression I got was that a gin can influence human behavior and emotion. So Cupid type of The almost. ethereal, as Shaq would say. Yes. So <laughs> I think he was like wanting his dad to have a connection with him, the, the character Max. And uh, Kazam at one point comments, I can't do that because I'm a genie, not a gen. I can give you material things, but I cannot influence someone's thoughts or feelings. But he does do that. But I think later, because he's released, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when the transition happens. 
when the kid dies. <laughs> so like the kid dies. Let's back. Let's maybe let's go in sequential <laughs> order here. All right. So Shaq, we'll get to the kid death. Guys, guys, spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> Come yeah, on. Let's back it up. We'll get to the kid death. The the weirdest part about the beginning of this movie is that Shaq speaks in rhyme. I have a. I, I want to back up to a. Weird. For, okay, please. By all means, drive the so, bus. Do you remember how Kazam is released? Yeah. Okay. So there's a a build. It's an old building. The the genie lamp is in there. He's sleeping. Wrecking ball comes through, and knocks him into a boombox. So yes, <sighs> I watched this movie like four times. Couple of ma- a couple. Uh, I have some questions. <laughs> so, first of all, it's a ceramic genie bottle, not made of metal. It was ceramic because it breaks right. when shook. So you're telling me that Shaq was in this bottle. By the way, they don't announce this till later in the movie that he was in the bottle for 3000 years. This bottle was brought from whatever ancient land ceramic bottle, mind you <laughs> carried carefully from long distances for thousands of years. It's remained intact ceramic because that doesn't degrade over time. Put in a basement shelf in New York. We're gonna, I'm yeah. gonna say this is New York, and then knocked knocked over by a disturbance from a wrecking ball and broken, and that's what releases him from a ceramic genie bottle after three thousand. But years. why does he go into the boombox? How does he know going to the boombox? Knowing, Guys. like I come out of this bottle. I haven't seen anything for 3,000 years, and the first thing I'm going to go into is something I don't know what it is, but I'm going to make it light up and make noise, because that makes sense. Go ahead, Gareth. Oh, no. I just want to uh, continue. Okay, I'll continue. I have a theory about this whole thing. Have you seen Do the Right Thing? Mm-hmm. I propose that Shaq's genie is the reincarnated Radio Rahim. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And that these these are part of the same fictional universe. It's, it's still in New York. This is both funny and the most insulting thing we've ever done on this show. Please, go ahead. Please continue. Oh, my God. No, I just... Could they be linked? Uh, no. Spike Lee won't be on the show. <laughs> Did Spike Lee do both of the movies? No, um, I mean, this has gone over so many people's heads. I don't really care about you listeners. This is amazing. So <laughs> did the boombox turn Shaq into a rapper? He goes in the boombox. The kid wakes him up. He comes out of the boombox. Now he he, asked, he can't leave until the kid makes three wishes, right? But to talk to the kid, he's only talking in rhymes. And At not first. like rap, but like kind of older traditional style rhymes. And it made me wonder. No, I think no, it's like it, like he's doing accent work. Like it's like this kind of West Indian kind of like patois kind of patois kind of thing. Right. You know? It's more like, like slam poetry than rap. Right. And I guess I was wondering, like, did they write it for him to do that the whole time and then abandon it? Like that was my thought. Because by the end, he's not rhyming with every sentence. Oh, once actually, 
after this first initial scene where he yells his lines and rhymes and then follows Max outside, he stops that pattern as they go outside. I think the one good decision here is that maybe that pattern would have been, A, impossible to keep up the whole movie, and then, B, distracting, completely distracting to the viewer. So they they do give it up, but then bring it back at times. Right. It seems like maybe he is rhyming when he is trying to make a point or he's angry. And then they just go full rap after a while. Yes. Because you've got like rhymes like Romeo and Juliet, grab your friends, let's have a sex tet. (laughs) 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 Which I loved. And well, it's really hard to know. I want to get into the music, but I feel like we kind of, do we have to set up what happens with (laughs) the dad? So the kid, Max, his mom's trying to get remarried. His parents are divorced. He hasn't seen his dad in 10 years. He searches out his dad. And his dad seems to be a hybrid between a music producer and a gun runner. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> Joe, and- like what how would you describe what was happening at the dad's workplace? His actual biological father. Yeah. And his not his soon to be fire father, stepfather. His biological father who looks like Dan Cortez looked like in the nineties. Yes. But they couldn't afford Dan Cortez. His biological father is at first it seems perhaps a producer of some kind, but turns out he's into pirating music, but never really explain exactly what his crime is other than he seems to burn CDs illegally. Yes. He seems to be, he's like the Napster (laughs) of the world. (laughs) This is exactly what I was going to say. This is three years before Napster launched in 1999. And I know for guys who've listened to the How Did This Get Made, they made a big deal of this. So I think Jason Manzukis is the one who said, like, they're literally in in this show, they're talking about this DeBrat live show is going to get a million dollars. In what market? <laughs> right. Like, who's buy, who's going to buy pirated rap, like, Pirated rap performances at like a local club. Well, before Napster, everybody. Yeah. And look, I know this. It, the '90s were a difficult time, Joe. Like, genie rappers were a huge deal overseas. <laughs> so I guess there's a there's an inherent market to that. I get it. But still, Debrat. Okay, and I want to say this. I want to say this about the movie real quick. Shaquille O'Neal in 1996 had most likely already collaborated with everyone from Fushnikins to Jeff Jeff, the legend, to Tupac and Biggie and, uh, you know, Ice Cube and Method Man and all these guys were on his, you know, pager or whatever the technology he had at the time. And the best big name performer they could get in this movie was DeBrat. Spinderella was in this movie. She's... Wait, was it Spinderella or was it DeBrat? I thought it was Spinderella's DeBrat. In it. The Brat is in it. Spinderella's also in it. So they couldn't, They, you're telling me they could not go get like Heavy D? Heavy D's doing Michael Jordan videos with crisscross. Well, my the bigger question was Spinderella in this movie, at one, at one scene, is part of an all-girls group that's not Salt and Pepper. Because right. Salt and Pepper or Mrs. Dash weren't showing up for this movie. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let me. That was a great line. Let me just stop this. Like, Adam, you have some very strong thoughts on Shaq's 
character as written that uh, that's we're beating around the bush here what, what what say you to Shaq in the role of the magical genie who comes out of the boombox I think I know where you're leading me uh Shaq is plays the role of the magical negro in this movie <laughs> The magical quite, Negro, quite literally. In, in case you're not familiar with this uh, plot device, um, <laughs> is every role Morgan Freeman has ever played. Uh, <laughs> most notably, Shawshank Redemption, and then what's the movie with Jim Carrey where he plays God? Okay. Oh, Bruce oh, Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Shaw, he's not the magical Negro. He, Will Smith in Bagger Vance is the magical he Negro. He is absolutely. Morgan that Freeman's is just a case. guy in Shawshank. He is the magical Negro. We don't know much about his past except that he committed a crime, and his only role in that movie is to comfort the main white <laughs> character. Red, yeah, he can get No, anything, the magical man. Negro is like the dude in the Green Mile. No, it doesn't necessarily it mean doesn't that have they have actual magic. magic magic powers. It's, oh, how about another one? Driving Miss Daisy. How much do you know about that character? Right. He drove a white woman Yeah, around. but if you have magical powers, it makes it less racist. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I thought... Oh, sorry. I thought... It, I thought it's weak. <laughs> Poor... And here we see it again. Poor, turmoil little Max needs a big black friend to get him through the hard time that he's going through. Temporarily kill him, bring him back, and then they're off. Shaq but. murders a man in this movie. <laughs> like, he rolls a human being up into a ball and dunks him out a garbage chute. He murdered that guy. <laughs> but he is Max's savior, and thus the definition of magical Negro in Kazam. Well, his rapping is magical, Adam. <laughs> Can we talk about the battle rap scene? Yeah. He does a battle rap with the kid. And uh, Joe, why don't we boot this one up for the listeners? We'll come back to this. My name is Kazam. I got the whole plan. So listen to the man, because I'm a Sultan of Sam. <laughs> is that it? Is that the whole deal? You want to be a hit? You better get rid. Yeah, guys. <laughs> that happened. Wow. Look, okay, a couple things about the, the rap. He's playing, he's rapping in a club, and there's a fiddle player behind him. Right. Well, that's what he would have rapped to 3,000 years before. A <laughs> how, fiddle how old is the fiddle? I don't know. It's just, I'm just, just go with it. Someone call Vern Lundquist. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, classical music expert, that was not yes. a shot at Vern. It was not Vern. a shot at his age, by the way, just to clarify. No, yeah, no, no not at all. <laughs> it is not a shot at his age. I meant, I meant he's a huge classical music fan. I love Vern. All right. There's a fiddle player behind him. I once saw Kanye perform with a string quartet, but um, not sure the fiddle was really amplifying that song all that well. There's a hip-hop violinist. I'll send you the CD. I have it. Somewhere. I guess the Dave Matthews yeah. Band, they're hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who lis listens to Tori Amos a lot, yeah, they are. <laughs> that blows my mind. Uh, Shaq's wardrobe, I have a few thoughts when he's wearing that orange shirt during the rap battle, he has what I can only describe as like baseball length pennants hanging down as the collar. That's traditional genie garb for rapping. <laughs> Everybody knows <laughs> this. Okay, my question was, was that a thing or was he trying to set some new style and failed? The costume designers were like, 
hey, how much material do we have on set? This guy is big as fuck. It's like he's wearing the puffy shirt from Seinfeld, but instead of lace, they just took two Ohio flags and just draped them over his shoulder and spray painted his whole body bright orange. Yeah. He looks like a, oh, it looks like traffic cones. It looks like two traffic cones, those bright orange traffic cones hanging from his neck. It's shocking. I, I literally looked at it and I was like, <laughs> I find this shocking and very distracting. I could I had to watch the rap battle twice. <laughs> Joe, what do you think about this movie? You were six years old when it came out. How did you even process what this movie's version of the 90s were? Because this, it pretty much nailed it. Everything was exactly what you saw. Oh, 100%. Like we, also, all of our dads worked in music, music piracy before that bubble just burst. I remember it was the it was yeah it was like literally the alcohol bootlegging of the 90s. <laughs> I remember this very differently from when I saw it as a kid which I did do. Um, did you see this in the theaters? Uh I don't think so. Although we might own my dad might have it on my dad might have it on VHS somewhere in his basement. Um but god I don't remember half the stuff. I don't remember anything about the dad. I remember the rat battle. I remember how he uh, was broken out of the genie lamp. Uh Um, But yeah, this is just not the movie I remember. Sorry. Gareth, how'd you process it? It's a childhood I wish for, though. Gareth, did you you finish it? You never finished any of these movies. Uh, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Can you blame him? No, which I can because we need to talk about how this... Movie is one of the sad, saddest innings of all time. Real Go quick, ahead, by the way, I'm offended, Gareth. Not only did I watch the movie, and not only did I pay for it, even though it's free online, I just did not realize it's on YouTube for free. In yeah, it's entirety. the first place I went to watch it was YouTube, and I was actually I was sitting in an edit room, and the editor turned around. He's like, "What's that noise? What are you watching?" And traditionally, if it's something good, I would share it with that editor. But I was like, "Uh." Yeah, uh, just something I'm doing for the podcast, man. <laughs> and eventually, as he heard the rapping, he turned around. I was like, uh, "I'm watching Kazam, the, the chef movie Kazam." And then he's so. all in. He's like, "Yeah, let's do it." Okay, the ending is a disaster. The kid dies. <laughs> he falls down an elevator shaft and <laughs> dies temporarily. Yeah, and then Shaq brings him back to life and realizes he's a gin. And that's really the only way to describe the ending. It's like completely non- nonsensical. There's a few things that happen at the end of this movie. First, there's a fire. Then there's a fire rescue. Then we see <laughs> we see Max's birth father um, about to be taken away by the police because he's now been somehow caught caught for pirating. Right. Um, and the cop who arrests him doesn't even bother to cuff him. He just puts his <laughs> hand sternly on his arm and walks him away as if he's walking him to time out. Like, you're just a music pirate. I don't even need to bother with cuffs. <laughs> so then the very end of the movie, we see Shaq walk off with his new female companion. And the conversation goes like this. Uh, Shaq informs his new female companion I'm, but you don't understand. I'm free. I got plans. To which his female companion says, your only plans are to grow old and die with me. You get in a job. A job? I haven't, ha- I haven't worked in 5,000 years. To which she says, there's a first time for everything. This is probably- hey, By the way, Adam, 
acting's not so easy, is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) there's a first time for everything. There's a first time for everything. (laughs) So Shaq, after 5,000 years of slavery as a genie, has entered the the modern form of slavery known as marriage. Wow. I've got a different Save that for the Marital Bliss podcast. (laughs) I've got a different interpretation. The kid died and went to heaven and Shaq brought him back and now he can never return. (laughs) Jesus. What? There's a rule. Wow! How no, did you? No well, passbacks. Based on what? In the, in the, in <laughs> I'm this just kidding. Movie. Look, <laughs> there's some other weird stuff. He shares a bed with the kid and showers in front of him briefly. Um, there's and sings a what song is he singing? I love being a guy while the showering. I don't understand it's a, what's it's happening. It's a strange sequence. Doesn't really make much sense. Uh, <laughs> Look, I'm not I'm not saying that the movie is an all-time classic. I am saying I think it's one of the most iconic athlete acting performances in that it's a huge like broad blockbuster style role that Shaq just dove into. He made it his own. He put a st- he's rapping in it. We celebrate his rap. He made a movie where he raps. Like great. I'm there. If it came out, if they came out with Kazam two, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. I'll wear. I'll put on some orange cones. Well, I'll say this about the about Shaq's performance in general. We work with athletes. Um, often they are well. I mean, let's face it. They're always paid appearances um, in terms of our our day jobs. Um, and and athletes have different asking prices, and there are times in our careers where we're like, wow. We paid that guy for that performance, which usually consists of media interviews or some type of media activation. And there are other times where you're like, that seemed like a lot of money, but boy, did he earn every penny of that. And for what he was presented with, Shaquille O'Neal earns every penny in the movie Kazam. And with that, I win the debate. We'll be back after this with an interview (laughs) with Francis Capra, who played Max. Well, hey, let me jump right into it. I want to start with this. I see online you're a huge game fan. Uh, we've, had, we've had guys like Chris Cluey, the former Vikings punter, on to talk about Warcraft. I mean, we, we love when, when athletes play games. I have to ask, did you and Shaq ever sit down for some Shaq Fu while you were taping? Because he had the video game at the time, and I, I want to know if you ever got to play against him. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Uh, Shaq Fu is actually uh, uh, a, big, a very big part of uh, the process of why I took that job. I was uh, <laughs> I was on fire at the time when I auditioned for uh, yep. Because I had like a three deals on the table as far as like a child actor's dream. I mean, I was I was knocking down uh, uh, films. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola actually had chosen me for the uh, part of Jack uh, with Robin Williams, a bunch of other stuff. So I had these projects on the table, and Kazan was in the middle of all that. And 
my agent took me down to meet Shaquille, and of course, once I once I met him, I, I really didn't have any idea what he was. I, I thought he was a football player. I, that's how <laughs> I It's so funny because uh, everybody was telling me, you know, that I was going to meet this bigger than life character, and you know, everybody was in love with him. So, so people, you know, I was the envy of many many a child at the time. But uh, meeting him, you know, it kind of sealed the deal. But Shaquille, I think, wanted to make sure that uh, he left an impression. So <laughs> after our meeting, even though I was already convinced that I wanted to work with him and wanted to be a part of the film, uh, on the way out, he was like, hey, man, you know, here, take some of my shoes. And he gave me, like, like three pairs of sneakers, and he was like, oh, oh, and most of all, take this. And he gave me, I'll never forget, the Sega Genesis cartridge of, of, of Shaq's <laughs> And I was so excited, man. I opened it up in the car like you do, you know, back to back in the yeah. 90s when you open up a game and it had the book inside, the instruction manual and all that. And uh, I, I was I couldn't get it in, in my Sega Genesis fast enough, but it was it was pretty fun. <laughs> I've never played Shaq Fu. Uh, was it a good... I mean, look, it good is a relative term because video games now versus back then are just a completely different universe. But was it a good, like... W- fighting game did you think was it at least fun and and kind of you know something you expected to be okay what i remember of it was it was a side scroll of beat em up right i mean it was like a, it was it was a type of platform and beat em up i remember it being a decent game i i could be honest i don't remember spending too much time with it <laughs> I, I do know that they're doing a, a a successor to the game which i am absolutely on board i really do want to try it out the the uh the remake of that game the remastered uh the you know, modern version of yep. it looked amazing. Looks like they're doing some really, really cool stuff, and they really know their know their stuff with games. I'm a hardcore gamer, man. Gaming is like it's my it's it's up there with acting. You know, it's a very close thing with acting. I really only know how to be an actor. It's the only thing I've ever done. But uh, gaming is is a full second. It's the only thing I've ever really known how to do. We're huge fans of Shaquille's rap on this show. Like we we love when athletes do interesting things. The worst thing for us, the worst sin in in athletics, is being boring. So I'd rather see a guy go out there and release five <laughs> rap albums than just like you know recycle the same comments after every game. You have an extended rap battle with Shaquille in in the movie. How much of that was written by him? And when you guys were rehearsing that, did you ever freestyle any of it? Did you make changes that you know on the fly, or was it very scripted from the get go? You know, it's so funny. This is this is really. Uh, I, I've had to do a lot of growing up on this topic because it was it was. <laughs> It was a touch about me because later in my life, I'm, I'm a huge fan of rap and, and hip hop, and I actually actually do music myself. I write and I rap. Um, however, at the time, you know, I'm 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 of a multiracial background. My father is Dominican, my mom is white, she's Italian. So you know, I'm I'm a black man in New York City, but when I come to California, I'm like a, a Mexican, like a like a dark skinned Mexican. It's hard to it's hard to explain it with racial politics, but 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 basically, in in rap, I always felt like I had it in my. In, in, in my soul, you know, I, I always felt it like it, it was something I always, always was a part of. It always was uh, around me. But if I'm being honest, at the time when I shot Kazam, I was a little white boy, man. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> it hadn't, it hadn't, uh, it hadn't really been opened up to me. You know, my dad wasn't around to really like culture, the kind of rap I was listening to. So I was all over the place. At the time, I think Bone Thugs and Harmony was like the, uh, like the you know the 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 epitome of like like 
rap that I that I had been introduced to. But Shaquille really, really, really introduced me to rap behind the scenes. I mean, I got to meet Biggie. I got to meet Biggie wow. uh, because of uh, Shaquille. I had no idea that it was Biggie. I was sitting next to him in the trailer. And, you know, there were so many people that, that came through for a little kid like me to be to be sitting in the trailer not knowing that he was he was literally, I, I believe they were writing a song um, together at the time. There were so many opportunities where, um, I, looking later on in my life, that I wanted to rap. I look back now and I was like, damn, man, I was really a part of that writing process. You know how many times, man, I'd be in the trailer with him and Shaquille was writing a song and he would, he would lean over to me and be like, you know, how does this sound? And he would rap it for me, you know, and I'd be like, man, that's, no, that, that, that doesn't sound right. You know? And at the time, it's so funny because I was studying for my SATs because it had all the words, you know, the glossary that you would study for your SAT words. So I would come out with these like really, really, really like words that you would never hear, you know, like eclectic, uh, debilitate, uh, dogmatic and all this stuff, you know, and, and I, uh, Shaquille would be coming up with a rhyme and he'd be like, what rhymes with this? And I'd be like, uh, use this effervescent or, or <laughs> debilitate or dogmatic or aggrandizement. And he'd be like, man, where the hell are you coming up with these words? <laughs> at the time, you know, I, you have your mandatory three hours of schoolwork, so I would be shooting in the trailer with him and, and, do, and hanging out with him, and then my tutor would take me away, and I would study for these, uh, these SATs with this really crazy vocabulary. It was just so fun being around him, man. Uh, but later on in my life, but, uh, to, to get to the point, um, I, when I really started to understand rap and really look at it, you know, as as an art form and 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 do it myself and actually like gauge myself as a rapper, um, I'm com- com- uh, comfortable saying and confessing that that whole rap battle was not me. That rap battle actually Wade Robson. It was uh, I don't know if this is common knowledge at this point, but uh, Wade Robson was um, he played one of the gang members in the film uh, that throw me on the floor. He was the one with like the bleach blonde hair. Okay. He was in a rap group called Pro when he was younger. Um, he was very close with Michael Jackson. He was a part of a backup dancer with Michael, um, and he did a lot of work. Um, he's an incredible dancer. Just Wade Robson. You could probably Google him if you don't know who I'm talking about. But he uh, he was actually a, a rapper at the time, and so they used him for that um, for that rap battle. And basically, on the day when we were shooting it, they just put it on speakers, and then I rapped along with it. And uh, and that's how we that's how we shot the battle. I, I don't think Shaquille wrote most of that though. And and at the, at the end, he, Shaquille was very very uh, you know uh, personal about about his raps. Like he he wanted to be respected and and to let people know that he really could rap. And I really do think he's he's very very underrated as a rapper. Shaquille can rap. Shaquille really can rap. A lot of people give him too much of a hard time about it. Absolutely, man. We love. I mean, Shaq is probably the most versatile. Um, entertainer who was a great basketball player in terms of you know his he you know he sold a gold record as an as an artist and and people say oh that's just because he was famous well Jason Kidd and Gary Payton put out rap <laughs> rap music too and no one gave a shit about it so like <laughs> you got to be good to like sell to sell copies. Yo, yo, let me, let me just tell you something. My biological father didn't bother. You really need to look like listen to that. Like yo. That song was so dope, and and I'm telling you right now, when I first heard that song, it was on the way to meeting him 
you know, my manager wanted me to understand who the person I was. So, you know, she would make sure that, I just had such a great manager at the time. She knew that I think we would both vibe to that song. You know, I, my, my, my biological father wasn't in my life at the time. When I heard those lyrics, now, you know, looking back, obviously they're not the most prolific lyrics in the world, but they're pretty dope. <laughs> and, and looking back at that song, like, he 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 wrote that, and it, it really really touched me, man. You know, Shaquille has said if you look back at his catalog, he really does have certain songs that that people just people just don't give him the credit that that he's doing, man. Straight up. So when you already mentioned that Shaq was sort of a larger than life personality on on set, and I've been a part of. Um, you know, ad ad shoots, commercial shoots with guys who had that sort of same vibe. Kevin Garnett is a good example. Like dudes that walk in the room and they command the entire room. I have to imagine that's what Shaq was like at this phase. He's more mellowed now, but back in the day, he was just all energy. What was he like around the set and what kind of impact did his personality have on the crew and the shooting process? I think I think Shaquille was was the glue of our set, man. I mean, it was a stressful production, man. It was a lot of stuff. A lot of people, uh, you know, it's funny. I I just did an interview for talking about this same topic, this same film, um, about six months ago, and a lot of people. I think I think Paul is okay with. I don't know if you're interviewing Paul as well for this, but if you do get an opportunity, you you absolutely should. Uh, Paul Michael Blazer, the director. Um, that this project was very much a. Um, therapeutic experience for him and kind of a, a coming to God moment for him. He had been through a lot personally in his life. Um, uh, the death of his wife, a lot of a lot of personal things that were happening mm-hmm. to him, his relationship with his son. Um, and when you have a director in that emotional state, you know, in control of of an entire crew and cast as far as, you know, our direction and our moves for the day, it tends to be a very, very... Um, volatile environment you know it could explode and you kind of feel like you're on the edge of your seat you kind of feel like you know you got to get this day done you know it, it almost felt like every day we were fighting for the light as you say in the industry when it when it was just starting you know we weren't actually we weren't actually at that point yet but Paul was you know on edge he, he was kind of looking for something that he was trying to find in, in, in the process of directing that was very, very difficult. And and it trans was on screen, I think. I think it particularly trans was with my character. My character is, is, is probably one of the most unhappy twelve year old kids in the history of cinema. <laughs> and um and I and I think that's what Paul wanted. Uh unfortunately, you know, that that's what what uh what, what transferred at, at the time and, and, and what what came about. Shaquille was basically the living antithesis of that. Like Shaquille made every day fun. Every day you were going to laugh. You knew, like, you could be having the shittiest day at work. Everything could have went wrong, you know. Even I could have been very unhappy with the take that I did or anything else. And But if Shaquille was involved in that process, you'd look at him and you, you just felt the urge to smile or laugh. I mean, there was so many different things I could come up with. I don't know how much he wants me to share. <laughs> but I know I've seen this one. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to actually use this or not, but just an example of one of the things he did. He, <laughs> on a particularly rough day that we had, I don't know how to word this without, uh, and he, it's, he's done worse, I guess. So, oh, yeah, um, man, you're fine. <laughs> it's 20 years he, ago. <laughs> he went around set with a cup, and he had something in the, he went in the bathroom and put something in the cup, if you know what I'm saying. And then he, uh, he went around to people and just casually started a conversation with them. And then, you know, 
like as they're talking, he would put the cup up to their face. And it was it was it was human shit in the cup, man. <laughs> oh man. Like just shit in the cup, man. And and they would just go up to people just casually. And nobody's gonna refuse a conversation with Shaquille. Nobody. <laughs> nobody you know, you're gonna talk to him. and this is like on a day where everybody's trying to walk around and be pissed, you know, because we're making a movie and, and this movie's not, you know, going right and I'm pissed and blah, blah, blah. And it was almost like Shaquille would go around and you could just would die and laughing because you were in on the joke and you were watching him go up to somebody and that person would be talking to him not knowing that he's holding shit in the cup. And then sometimes he would like walk up to the person and be like, here, can you hold this for me? And the person would grab the cup, never looking at what's inside, but just holding it, you know, because Shaquille asked you to hold it what was in the cup. And he'd have a whole conversation with them and then like walk away and then turn around and the person would look in the cup. Because <laughs> it was... He was just awesome, man. Like he, he just, he just totally changed the entire feeling on the set, and kind of reminded us all, like when we were in our own little world, that we were upset that maybe you know we were having a tough day at work, that we were all blessed to be there. I think that's what what Shaquille was all about was just living in the moment, man, and and kind of just being happy, happy, gen- genuinely happy with life. He, he he had that aura about him, man. At least for me personally, he 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 definitely did that for me each and every day I was around him. So I love that story. I think it's fairly harmless. I will say, just to clarify, he never had anyone touch touch the feces. No, no, yeah. there was no, I know there was never any touching. The poop stayed in the cup. For all we know, it could have been cat poop in the cup. Oh man, <laughs> it's insane. Okay, so the movie, the movie itself, you've you've said before. I mean, I saw the 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 article in Slash Film where you kind of jokingly describe it as a sin upon mankind of modern filmmaking. On this show, on this show, we're a little torn on it. I think the movie is fine for what it is. It's a kids' movie. I think it's it, we look at these things through, through the lens of adulthood, or or what's it trying to do cinematically, and we forget that um, you know it wasn't trying to do a lot more uh, than just entertain you know Shaq's youthful NBA loving audience in a new way. That right. said, it's gone down as I think because it's got an athlete in the starring role. And because it's about genies and it's got rapping Shaquille, it's gone down as this huge bomb. How do you process the the overall quality of the movie and its reputation as something that was a flop in Hollywood? Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I kind of. I, I I'm bothered. I really have to say I'm bothered by the legacy of the film. I feel like it goes like I. I, I, I don't know. I think it has to be answered by, by Shaquille. I feel like if I answer it, too much of my answer is, is kind of caught up in the fact that I look at my performance and I remember, and when I watch the film, the first like 15 minutes, like, instantly I start asking myself, I'm like, why am I so fucking angry? Why is this so angry? It's just all that it devolves into. And I'm like, I just wish I could go back in time and be like, you're a kid, you're a kid. You don't even know about the genie yet. Why are you so angry? Like, why are you so friggin' angry? Just relax, you know? But then I I, I, I'm, I wake myself up and I'm like, you're angry because that was what was being, <laughs> that was what was being asked of you at the time. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me, like I, I, like I said, because I'm, I'm the kid, so I'm, I'm always finding myself defending uh, my performance. But I'm aware of when I step away from the entire film and I look at it, I still think it was a, it was a cute movie, you know, for kids. I, I, so many times kids come up to me that are um, kids, uh, they're, they're adults now, that, that are like, oh, that was my 
you know, favorite film when I was a kid. And, the, and I'm like, yeah, really? What, what about, you know, what about the film was it? He was like, just, you know, to have a genie, the whole uh, junk food from here to the sky, you know, that whole scene is a, is a really, really cute scene, you know, where, where he actually realizes that Kazam is a genie and he starts, uh, you know, uh, asking for um, different wishes and stuff when it actually hits. And then it devolves into this whole father and son biodrama type of thing. And, and and I think that's where the film's message kind of gets muddied and, and kind of gets lost. But at the same time, if I say that, that's kind of me just blaming it all on myself because that's my entire plot line. <laughs> right, right. With uh, with uh, my father. So it's hard for me to really uh, say anything negative about the film without taking uh, responsibility for it. But, at, you know, I, I really would love to hear what Shaquille has to say about it. And at the end of the day, he is... He is the film, you know. He is. If there's anything good to say about the film, it, it's it's coming from him, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's clear he was going for it. Uh, he was trying. I think he was he was giving it energy. We've seen a lot of other acting performances from athletes where they're just they're just there for the money. They don't they don't care. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 There was so many different opportunities that where he could have checked out. You know, he could have checked out and just been like, ah. Uh, I don't need to do. You know, Shaquille was bringing himself every day, man. I think bringing bringing more. You know, Shaquille was also a producer. Shaquille, I think, if anything, if we really were to look at money, I'm sure Shaquille put in money. You know, at at the point, like Shaquille was never, ever, ever. I think coming into that, not trying to, you know, be honorable and really uh, 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 put himself forward. We were lucky to have that. That I think there was a lot of other athletes we could have used. You know, because there was across from this, we also had a. Space Jam, right? The spaceship right. for us or after? I, it was, I think it might have been even the same year because they filmed most of it when Jordan was not playing basketball anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, that put pressure on, on, on Shaquille fans to be like, oh, okay, you know, I need to just, you know, push myself away from this because at the end of the day, you know, people always compare the two. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it comes down to like he he handled he handled it like the gentleman. I just think that I would love to see Shaquille do more. I would love to see him continue continue doing this and 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 doing more. You know, I don't know if that's what what's in his cards. The um the dad in the movie. What? How would you explain what he did for a living? I, I've like I, I've seen a lot of people debate this online. They said he's everything from a record producer to a music pirate to a gun runner. What? What was your understanding of what his role was? Fucking criminal, and he was playing gun it, man. He was even something bad. I don't know. He's the worst father figure you could possibly be. Uh, um, uh, I, I think he was basically. Um, I have actually, you know what? I actually have a real life friend who does that for a living, but I don't. Th- I'm not sure if what he does is legal, so right. I, I can't really say if that's an actual uh, occupation. He's kind of like one of the guys who like helps the club get noticed. Like he's like the club manager, but but not really the club manager because he also works with the, you know, like with the acts and getting them a deal. I don't think his role was fleshed out too much. Right. I didn't remember this until I looked into it. He quite literally left Orlando for the Lakers at the exact yeah. time this movie came out. Now you're a kid, you probably yeah. 
all you can think of is great. I'm going to see Shaquille more. I'm probably out here in Hollywood and maybe I'll, I'll get to go to some Lakers games. But were, was your management team, were, were the people around the film, were they concerned about the backlash and how that might have affected people's perception of Shaquille kind of leaving his team and heading to the West Coast? It was crazy, man. Like when he, when he transferred, I think there was like an equal amount of love and, and, and hate from, from people. It was hard to register because we were in California and everybody was so happy to have him. Everybody seemed like they, they, California really, really welcomed him. I'm sure there was some studio execs and there was some whisper of, oh, maybe this might have an impact on our film. But I, I, didn't, I didn't pick up on it. To kind of close things up, I've heard you say you're, you're wondering whether the movie will transition to a place where people kind of look at it and appreciate it as maybe so bad that it's, it's good. Um, do, you feel yeah. like, do you feel like we'll be able... Um, at some point to look back on Kazam and sort of like it collectively as, hey, this was just fun that this exists? Or do you feel like there's always going to be a stigma about it because it's a strange concept? It's Shaq is a genie, a rapping genie, and people just can't get over how weird it is. <laughs> no, I think it's getting there. I, you know, like 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 you just touched on with, with the thing that I said is that um, things... things um, uh, they get better with time, you know. It's, it's Kazam is like a very odd wine, you know. Over time, it is, it is it definitely its taste is changing and evolving. And you, I think its quality is 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 obvious when it's produced so many different talents. I mean, if you look at Kazam, we have all these different people. Uh, Ethan Ramirez, like I think I, I actually have to bring this to attention. Ethan Ramirez, who plays uh, Pedro in the poem. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he was in the bathroom scene. He was a member of the gang. Yep. Um, a lot of people, like, so many so many times I'll bring this up to people, and they're like, no way, no way. Wade Robson was also in, in the gang there. Um, uh, myself, uh, if you know, I, I'm doing pretty well for myself, I think. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all these people that, that were involved in, in this project that look back and are doing well now and had a positive uh, experience on the project. The only thing that's negative about it was the critical reception, you know, that 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 it got. But we are already are already uh, looking at Kazam as as a wonderful thing that that happened. I think over time the public is starting to to join us, and I think more more as people get older, as uh, people who saw it as a kid um, are now reaching adult age. And and getting older, they can look back and say, "Hey, that that film was a part of my childhood." So more and more, as time goes on, collectively, the, the general consensus of this film, the general opinion of it, is getting more positive. Like our, our Metacritic is is slowly raising by like one point, like every five years or every generation. Or That's so. a slow play, man. It's going to be a while. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> it's like sixteen percent. We got a we got a ways to go, but by next century, dude, we're right there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in my lifetime, but, but you know, before I go, I, I'll go knowing that Kazam is, is generally considered a, a, a B film. <laughs> and we are back. All right, so on this show, we talk a lot about athletes, music, and movies, and yet the trolls are always on their asses because they're they're too distracted from watching game film for the 18th hour that day. Uh, but all life is is work and the things that distract us from work. So in honor of Shaquille O'Neal, a man who has been distracting us since the 90s with his off-court ventures, 
and entertainment. We're going to talk about what we want Shaq to distract us with with next. So, uh, Gareth, let's start with you. What do you want to see Shaq do, buddy? Uh, I actually I want to give him credit for one thing first, and that is when he came out of the NBA and joined the TNT NBA studio show, uh, there were a lot of reviews that weren't really good to him. Uh, I mean, they were fair. I, I think he was just raw and getting his feet, but he was used to being always being the biggest guy in the room and the center of attention. Now he was coming into an established show. Charles Barkley is definitely still the guy there. I think Shaq has really gotten a lot better on that show. He's done some genuinely funny things and really established his own very deep voice on on the Turner NBA side. And uh, so I just want to say, first of all, like for a guy like he had to work at that and I give him credit for it. And so that's been one of my favorite distractions from Shaq in the last few years. Going back to my hammer, I brought that up. Uh, Shaq has curated a number of shows uh, in the art world, one of which I saw at the Flag Foundation here in New York a few years ago called Size Matters. And it was all about scale in contemporary art, really small pieces of work, really large pieces of work. And I like knowing that he's somebody that can exist so confidently in the sports world and the art world. Hell, if you have money, you might as well be in the art world. He's got plenty of it. So I'm looking forward to more distractions from Shaq as making movies with Larry Gagosian, curatorial projects. Go for it, man. So keep distracting us. Excellent. Adam. Shaq has done a lot of police work. Uh, I don't know if that's a distraction that we've talked about, but um, Shaq has done active police work with, uh, I know, at least one police department, which begs the question, Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal action star, why haven't we seen more, more of it? So in the same vein, as always, is Gareth's. Uh, project, I would like to propose that Shaq be a star in The Expendables 4. Ooh. Yes. I like that. <laughs> Brad is it. all over that. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> Hammer drop. Here's uh, Joe. Go with you next. Um, I want Shaq to expand on his ever-growing empire. I'm going to ask you some quick number trivia. How many Five Guys burgers does Shaq own? Five. Um, You mean like how many does he have in his car? (laughs) How many franchises? Oh. Uh, 30. 50. 155. Wow. Oh, my God. It's more than 10% of all Five Guys in the United States are owned by Shaq. He owns 150 car washes, 17 Auntie Anne's pretzels, and 40 24-hour fitnesses. This guy's a freaking businessman. No, and you know what the best part is? He's totally feeding the addiction. Oh, 100%. He's like, five guys? Hit your aunties and five guys at the airport and then sign up for your fitness because you got to work that shit off. And on your way, get your car washed. Eat your burgers in the car wash. Oh, my God. It's so good. So I just want to see him. I want 10 years from now, I want to see Shaq owning... 200 of God knows what. I don't know what it's going to be, but just just keep at it. I love it. All right, here's mine, guys. Look, we've we've heard Shaq rap 
we have seen him in big blockbuster movies. We've seen him do NBA analysis. We've eaten at his Five Guys <laughs> and Auntie M's. <laughs> Apparently. We have not seen him in, in a television scripted series built around him. And I've got the vehicle. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Remember Rock? The show Rock? Yes. And when it went to Rock Live... And ha- they, they did every episode live. Oh, yeah, I do. What? I want to do it Very again. Very underrated show. But, like, Shaq is rock. Uh. And we put an all-star cast of, like, improvisers and great people around him. And they have to do every episode live. And You're he would butcher stuff, but for... he'd, be, he'd be like Carson. Like, every time a joke bombed or he flubbed a line, it would be, like, that much funnier. So for the listeners, we're talking about the Charles Dutton uh, role Rock. Yeah, uh, Charles Dutton, also uh-huh. known as Dude Rock. from Rudy, who's not the white guy. <laughs> oh, another <laughs> magical Negro character. How about that? He's not magical in that. He's like a, a motivational magical mentor. Hard, he's a hardworking guy who teaches what Rudy do the value of work. you know about his personal history and what's his role in the movie? That is the role of magical Negro. <laughs> I guess I'm the problem. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're no, encouraging these roles. He just shows up and we don't have to know who he is. He just has to yeah. help the white guy. I mean... Wow. (laughs) I'm sorry, America. (laughs) Anyway, that's our show for this week. Sparkle Ponies, like, rate, review us, share the show with your friends, keep listening to us, follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Beam. (laughs) Really pushing the beam. Uh, uh, Let's do some shout-outs. I'm going to give a shout-out to Francis Capra, the uh, just great guy, actor from Kazam. I know he's a good sport. You know, he knows Kazam is not the the high point of his career, but uh, you know, to still come out and talk about it with guys like us um, was fantastic. We appreciate him coming and being a great sport, and um, and he's done a lot of interesting stuff away from this movie in the last few years, like Veronica Mars and all that stuff like that, so you know, check that out. Guys, I normally give my shout-outs, but today we're going to let Shaquille O'Neal, the originator, Give his shout outs. Without further ado. I'd like to give a shout out to my boy Uzi, Dev Jeff, Little Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. This is another workshop from the Arsenal. And you know what? Booty rappers, stay booty. <laughs>